Welcome to Let's Rock Your Boat Summit, brought to today by the Public Speakers Association. I'm so excited to introduce to you the incredible Mr. Fox Meyer. Fox, would you take it from here? Thanks so much, Tanya. Thanks for in inviting me, inviting me back. So, yes, I am Fox Meyer. I'm a speaker, teacher, and coach, and I wanted to share a few things that hopefully would inspire some action and possibly change in your life. And in the end, it may rock your boat. And one of the things that, that, that I do is I am a high school Spanish teacher. It is a very rewarding job, but I can remember when I was student teaching, my 10th grade science teacher was retiring at the time. I student taught where I went to high school. And before I departed student teaching, she, she knew it. She came to my room, and I knew she was going to retire. And we sort of talked about her career, but she ended it by talking about my career. And she looked at me and said, Fox, this will never get any easier. And after 15 years of teaching, it certainly has not, although it's been very rewarding. Many days, I'll drive into work. And I'll open the door for a couple of female colleagues. And as I say in one of my presentations, I'm always amazed at the amount of bags they're carrying. Many of them have a bag on, they're carrying a bag. They have one on their arm, one on their shoulder, and one on their back. I'm carrying one bag. Why? Well, I'm a 40-year-old man with cerebral palsy. And as I like to say, for me, walking without anything is a conscious act of will. It takes a lot for me to concentrate and pick my feet high enough up off the ground so I don't trip and fall flat on my face. But I have, and I do almost every single day, and I have in school while teaching. Uh, for example, some years ago, I was teaching in a couple of rooms that year. And luckily for me, I taught mostly off my iPad. So I didn't have to carry much when transitioning from room to room. But on this one particular day, the sniper got me. I was transitioning from class to class, and, and, and as unlucky as I was, I didn't pick my feet up high enough up off the ground, and I, I skidded, tripped, and, and fell. And my iPad went flying. And I can remember a student named Isaiah who immediately ran to my side and said, Prof, are you okay? I'm reminded in this moment that someone's character is revealed when, by, by how they react to you in some of your toughest moments. So I, Isaiah really showed a good, strong character there. Made me feel pretty good uh, about the students that I was teaching at the time. My classes can sometimes be very, very chaotic. Another particular day, some years ago, in a class, there's a student's are chatting, and I can see in the back of the room uh, students pointing at a padlock sitting on the floor and acting like he's going to step on it. And before I could get to him, yes, the kid stepped on the lock, I guess, in an attempt to break it. Well, this lock, the jagged end of the lock, went through his shoe and into his foot. He was carried to the nurse. Uh, the next period when I could check on this student, I went into the, to the nurse's office and the first thing that I saw was his shoe, which was off, with sitting on a chair with the lock 
still in it. Student ended up being fine, luckily. I was leaving that day at my wits end thinking, what am I doing? What is going on here? And before I could get out the door, a student uh, tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, prof, I've, I've read your book in the library, and I like it a lot, and I, I think I'm going to buy it. Listen, if I had a dime for the amount of times that I was, I've been at my wit's end and some student pulls me back in and shows me why I continue to be a teacher, I think I'd be a millionaire. I also am a coach for a professional baseball team here where I live in New Jersey called the Somerset Patriots. We're in the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball. We're not affiliated with any major league club. But one of the points of the league is to get players into or back into uh, uh, major league affiliated clubs to, and show them that they can play with the hope of, again, reaching the major leagues at some point. And every year we hold player tryouts, open player tryouts, before we hold spring training. And throughout the years, my, my 12, 12 years, uh, they are going on my third. We've signed players off of these trials or from these trials. <laughs> They've been pitchers. In 2014, uh, a middle infielder, however, caught our eyes as coaching staff. The young man, 22 years old at the time, with no prior pro experience, he could run. He had a quick bat, an adequate throwing arm, soft hands and quick hands. And our manager pulled him in after the tryout that Saturday and said, hey, 206, that was his number. He said, hey, 206, uh, we like what we saw. We'd like, you to, we'd like to invite you to spring training. And if you show out, we will make room for you on the roster uh, for this season. We don't have room right now, so you have to play your, your way onto the team. Well, spring training happened, and he did play out. Uh, he hit numerous extra base hits off some of our top relievers. He stole bases. He made plays in the field. Uh, he forced our hands. And our manager ended up releasing a player that we had signed who had AAA experience to make room for number 206. And he was with us for the entire 2014 season. In 2015, he was brought back, and he played so well that by the middle of May, he was an everyday player. But while he was an everyday player, you could tell he was not well. That is to say, one side of his body was pale and bloated, specifically from his shoulder to his hand on the left side of his body. And one. Before or after one game, during which he scored the, the game-winning run, we had to put him on the disabled list to get examined. Keep in mind that all throughout this time, there were, there were scouts in the stands that were thinking about signing him to a minor league contract. Well, the long and the short of it is, uh, number 206, contracted thoracic outlet syndrome. And if anybody knows what that is, it's a, a, a lack of blood flow to one part of your body, and it could eventually mean to, to your brain and could lead to serious health problems and even death. 
that anybody knows who Matt Harvey is, pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels, he had a same injury. And it's becoming an all-too-common injury among baseball players these days. Anyway, uh, number 206, he rehabbed vigorously during 2015, and he made our playoff roster that year. And that year in 2015, we won the Atlantic League championship. Additionally, I'm an avid podcast listener, and I listen to, and I would recommend this podcast to you all. It's called The Mind Side with Dr. Brett McCabe. And Dr. McCabe is a former LSU baseball player, a pitcher, who is now a licensed sports psychologist um, who works for the University of Alabama, a lot of their sports teams, and uh, works with a lot of PGA golfers uh, as well. And on his podcast called Exploring the Mindside, he interviews people who have been through a lot of trauma and tough situations and overcome a lot of obstacles. And he sort of gets into their head, into their mindset. And a few weeks ago, he interviewed a man named J.R. Martinez. Now, if anybody knows his, his story, forgive me, but it's this. He comes from a single mother home in California, a mother from the country of Colombia. And in the early 2000s, at the age of 19, J.R. enrolled in the arms, uh, armed forces and was deployed to Iraq. And three weeks within his deployment, he's driving a vehicle on a mission with, with his troops. And the vehicle goes over a roadside bomb. The bomb explodes. His fellow soldiers in the car were able to escape with minor injuries. J.R. was not so lucky. He was burned, almost killed, and burned beyond recognition to those who knew him before. Well, six weeks later, after the explosion and the accident, or thereabouts, J.R. wakes up after being in a medically induced coma. And at least physically, over the next few weeks in the hospital in San Antonio, Texas, his physical condition improves. And he's asked by somebody in the hospital to visit another soldier in that hospital who really found himself in a bad way, and, and at that time, in a worse way than, than J.R. found himself. And at first, J.R., as he said on the podcast, he resisted. He thought, you know, what am I gonna, going to offer this person? I'm struggling myself. I don't know how I'm going to help him improve. Well, long and the short of it is, J.R. is convinced to go talk. To, to his fellow soldier in another room. And he gets into the room, and as he, as he describes it, the room is completely dark. She, windows are closed, it's the middle of the day. Windows are closed, shades are drawn, the lights are off. It's pitch dark in the room. So it's pretty awkward at first, they're not talking much, but eventually they get to talking. And I don't know how long it was they talked, but. JR said that after the conversation, it ended like this. Hey, he said, I'm going to come back tomorrow and, and, and check on you. And as JR is leaving the room, he noticed just subtly that this man he visited rolled up the blinds and he opened the windows 
and he turned the lights on. He literally shed light on this man's life just by, by talking, having a conversation, nothing rah-rah, just sharing experiences. And, and going back to my time as a teacher, I like to end a lot of classes with a, with a short video making them understand whatever you're doing. I teach Spanish, whether it's you're studying history or, or language arts or science or math or whatever it is, you're always going to be in life. And one of the videos that I show is the story of a man named Ben Petrick. And Ben's, part of Ben's story is this. In, in the mid-90s, he was a two-sport all-state high school athlete out of Oregon, baseball and football. And in 1995, in the, in the spring of that year, he was drafted by the Colorado Rockies to play baseball. He had a great minor league career. In 1999, he got his first call up to the major leagues and um, did very, very well. So much so that he came back to spring training really as the number one catcher, the catcher of the future for the Colorado Rockies. But Ben, like 206, he wasn't well uh, on the left side of his body. So he's a right-handed uh, throwing catcher. Left side of his body, his glove hand, wasn't moving as freely as his right side was. He said he tried to catch a 95-mile-an-hour fastball that was a bit over his head. He couldn't quite get his get his glove up there to catch it. He thought that was pretty weird. Well, the long of the short of it is, is that at age 23, Ben Petrick was diagnosed with early-onset Parkinson's disease. And at first, he only let a few people know, uh, close friends, close family, and a few of his coaches. And one of his coaches would always say, they'd always watch the glove to see um, uh, how Ben was doing that day. You asked me, how did Ben play with early onset Parkinson's? Well, he was taking all of his medication, not only during the day, but in games as well. So not only did he catch, but he was, he was an outfielder as well. And when he was in the outfield at times, he would pop pills to quell the symptoms so he could stay still. Um, one of the coolest videos I show my students is him, him actually hitting a home run off of Randy Johnson. Anybody knows Randy Johnson. He was a, he's a Hall of Famer, left-handed throwing flamethrower. He had a 95-plus mile-an-hour fastball into the seats, a home run off of Randy Johnson. And you can tell as he's rounding third in his home run trot, his now, left side of his body is not flowing in rhythm like his right side. Just an amazing feat. And Ben had to retire in 2003, 2004 at the age of 27 because of all of what was going on with his early onset Parkinson's disease. Let me try to make a point to pull all of this in focus. As a teacher, there are days when it is very apparent that I'm struggling, not only to me, but, but, to, but to everyone else, just trying to 
get everything together, to manage my classes, to give them the content that they need, to be firm but fair. But it's not easy. And I, you know, oftentimes I don't leave feeling mentally, physically, or spiritually, spiritually like a million bucks. But I've made impact. I've made an impact on kids and they've made an impact on me, as you can tell from, from the first story. Uh, 206, he was not feeling his best in 2015, but yet he had the year of his life. J.R. Martinez, he didn't feel great either, obviously. He almost died in an explosion. Okay, He was, as he said, unrecognizable to those who knew him before. But obviously his words made a fellow soldier feel great. And every time I hear the story of Ben Petrick, that just fires me up and makes me want to live. Here's the point I'm trying to make and the things that I've deducted through my experiences as a high school Spanish teacher, um, through my interaction with number 206, through listening to the story of J.L. Martinez and through watching the story of Ben Petrick. It's this, and it may rock your boat, it may not, but I hope it inspires some kind of change in your life, and it's this. You don't have to feel great to make someone else feel great. And always understand that you're having an impact on someone else. And you don't know when an impact is going to take, and you never know how far it's going to go. Just be aware. And maybe you can use that in your relationship with girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, in your job, on your athletic team, with your child, who knows. But maybe that'll inspire some change. So I'll put it like this. Even if tough times last, tough people, they last longer. And as you go down that mogul-ridden path, let your faith grow stronger. If you fall off the horse, get up and get back on the saddle, because Victory Highway is not smooth sailing, for that road is a constant uphill battle. Even if positive thoughts don't work, negative thoughts, well, they'll kill you. So keep your mind, your body, and your soul on high alert. You will never know the heights you will take yourself to. And keep one hand on the wheel and one foot on the gas. These struggles you'll face, they are real. And you can tell them to kiss your you-know-what. Let the path to victory not drive you insane because we all know this road to success, it's not paved. And you never know the impact that you're having on other people. So step, your idol no more. Step, pick yourself up off the floor. Step, get up out of your seat. Step, you will not lie there in defeat. Step, in mind and in body, a winning tranquility. Step, without movement, there is no possibility. Step, each pace equals a seed. Step, in the world's largest sequoia tree. Step, one by one, they will amass. Step, core-filled passes down victory path. So whether you feel your best or you're not feeling so well, 
go out there and make an impact on somebody else. It's, it, it's unbelievable what happens even when you don't know or not to have an impact on, on someone else, I should say. Definitely from my experience. Listen, I want to make an offer. My name is Fox Buyer. I am a teacher, coach, author, and speaker. I do have a website. It is foxbuyer.com. That's F-O-X, like the animal, B-E-Y-E-R.com. If you like what you heard, log on to my, my page there and on the bottom of my, my homepage, and shoot me a message. I would like to send you a copy, a free copy of my book of poetry called Letter Kindling, Igniting, Inspiring, and Evoking the Fire Within for free. It's a compilation of, of thought-provoking, motivational, and nature-type poems. I would, I would love to be able to share that with you. Um, and maybe we can form a, a relationship down the line somewhere. But that's that. Never underestimate the impact you're having on somebody else. And you don't have to feel great yourself to have that impact on that person. Okay? Take good care, people. Tanya, back to you.